Welcome to the Reading Aloud Podcast, a place where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication are explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. And a baby. (laughs) Enjoy. Welcome, Reading Aloud community, to our series on pandemic partnerships. In this series, we'll have conversations with 10 different couples and singles from across the country to dive deeper into how relationships are handling this ongoing global pandemic as we close out our second full year of COVID being a thing in our lives. We hope this series helps you in your own relationships and partnerships during this heavy time. Thanks for listening to the Reading Aloud pandemic partnership series. And as always, if you have any questions, or feedback for Marisol and Adam, please connect with us on social media at Reading Aloud Podcast. Or our email, readingaloudlove at gmail.com. Enjoy. All right. Welcome, everybody. We have Cheryl Hunt and Kenya Miles on the podcast, and we're so excited because these are some of our favorite people in the whole world. Yes, you guys are. And I just want to- Wait, 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 wait. You guys is out. Okay throughout you guys no you guys is it's the day after national international women's right. day there's just not guys on this there's podcast. no there's 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 zero guys right now on this podcast there's one guy <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 y'all or you know in that case you ladies you ladies thank um, you all right yeah well <laughs> We're just getting started right. That's all. Exactly. <laughs> we put me in my place and we are started right. Yeah. Um, um, just introduce yourselves, what you do in the world, and how you are coming into this space today and conversation. All right. Do you want me to start or you? No, I will start first. Okay. Yes. Okay. Age and poor beauty. Go ahead. Well, beauty, beauty too. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, I am doing this podcast. I'm going to be very honest because I love Marisol. Okay. I love Adam and Marisol is my baby in my heart. And I would not be doing this for anybody else. That's right. Also, I'm retired from the VA. I was a medical social worker. At one time, I was Marisol's supervisor. And uh, right now I'm, you know, trying to get back into things. Uh, I do a little bit with St. Vincent de Paul and I was a lot more active before COVID. And for those folks who, because a lot of folks live, you know, out of state or even out of the country who listen to the podcast, what is St. Vincent de Paul? Uh, St. Vincent de Paul is uh, is a national organization that, that helps the poor and they're all over the country. And uh, we have three uh, St. Vincent de Paul chapters in Buncombe County. And what I do is I work with, we work with people that have difficulty paying their rent, their utilities, prescriptions. So in other words, you're still, you're still a social worker. Yeah, I'm still a social worker, but not working every day as a social worker. That's right. Still and, clients. and Cheryl, is this your first podcast? Absolutely. My and have you podcast. ever listened to a podcast before? Absolutely not. This yeah. will be, this will be my alpha and my omega. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. I think that's what we'll title this episode. Alpha and omega. Awesome. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, and lastly, how are you showing up to this space? Like, how do you feel today? Well, because you two are on the other side, I feel comfortable. Mm. I don't know if I'm going to feel comfortable if anybody else sees it, but I want no, so it won't bother me one way or the other. That's right. <laughs> nice. That's right. So that that's me right now. Thanks for sharing. All right, Kenya, we're excited to hear from you. Well, um, wow, that was super hard to follow, as always. I should have started. But anyway, um, so what, do, what am I bringing or coming to in this space. Um, So I followed in my mom's footsteps. Um, I'm a clinical social worker, very happy with working with um, veterans and that population. I also do a lot with the NASW, um, which is a national organization of social work. Um, I'm on their board for North Carolina. So I really do try to promote things like value, honor, equity, 
do a lot with the NASW Equity and Inclusion Committee. And then something I'm super proud of right now is working with a therapist like me, where we um, basically uh, pair minority identified clients with minority identified therapists. And we have a voucher program. So we also assist with funding so that folks from the BIPOC community are able to have therapy. So um, I'm really excited about those things. I mean, we're so appreciative just in general. And I know our listeners are too. They're like, oh, okay. These are really, really amazing people. And, (laughs) and And how are you showing up to the space today, Kenya? Well, I'll be honest, I'm showing up to this space excited again, because I'm seeing your faces, and (laughs) and it's few and far between because we're so busy. But I tell you, I, I am a little tired. COVID, as you know, Marisol, in our profession, and I also do some private practice work on the side, it's, um, it's rewarding, but it can, it can also drain you a bit as well. So trying to find a balance. To that point, this is the first time that, you know, as clinicians, we have been going through the same global issue as our clients. Typically, you know, every once in a while, a client will have a a similar issue or will have, they're like, you know, if you've been through a divorce, maybe they're going through a divorce, but, you know, rarely are things happening at the exact same time, the exact same mm-hmm. way. And this time, you know, I mean, when my clients come to talk to me, they're talking about the pandemic and its effects on their life. And, and, you know, I'm also having effects on my life because of the pandemic. And so it is, it's big right now. It's big to be in the helping profession. It's big to be a provider, a nurse, a provider, you know, somebody who's working in healthcare or on the front lines in any capacity. So, um, yeah, yeah, I really feel that. And, I think we're tired too. <laughs> oh, we're so tired. <laughs> now, for reference, Adam was just in the bath with the baby in oh. the bath. Like eight minutes ago. <laughs> Did you have a rubber ducky? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's oh, a few. There's all different. All di- the whole farm is in there. <laughs> Rubberized and the entire farm. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, we, so we're super excited to talk about, you know, one of the unique things about these two women are that, um, well, for one, you should check them out. So the way to see this video, of course, is to um, subscribe to our Patreon. So you can actually see their beauty in real life because it's very real. Uh There we go. They're posing Uh 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 for the camera, for the camera. Um, But, you know, one of the unique things is that, you know, y'all are a mother and daughter who live together. And that means that you have had to, and you lived together before the pandemic, but you really had, I'm, I'm super curious, like, what has it been like to live together through the pandemic? because uh, as we experienced, you know, we hunkered down in the beginning and, and Adam was the only person I saw for a long time before Neo came along in a lot of capacity. So I'm just interested to hear what that experience was like as being family living together. Well, I tell you, for me, um, for me, it was really hard because I was used to doing a little bit more. I would, you know, I would visit my friend uh, who lives over in East East Asheville, and uh, just kind of stopped seeing people totally. The only thing that I really did was uh, go get the mail, and then I was all garbed up when I got it, and initially when I would go to this grocery store, the seniors would get there, had to get there at 7.30 in the morning. Ooh, that is not your favorite time of day. Yeah, not at all. (laughs) To, To avoid, you know, people that were going and didn't want to wear masks. And then I found that uh, Kenya was uh, real protective of what I was going to do and where I was going to go. And, you know, just like I was the baby, you know, put your mask on. Did you wash your hands? Uh, These are all good questions. (laughs) I'm 73 years old. I didn't need anybody to tell me what to do. Well, were you washing your hands and wearing your mask? I was doing everything. So this brings <laughs> up. A... Was... Okay, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. Finish. Finish. Go ahead. Yeah, but it, uh, you know, it was like uh, sometimes kind of changing roles, which uh, was not appreciated. Uh-huh. And uh, well, uh, you know, it might happen more as you age. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> I don't think it will, but she thinks it will. Yeah, but yeah. It, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty much like you said. There, 
you know, I just didn't see uh, a lot of people. And then even when the uh, vaccine came out, uh, people that I dearly cared about refused to get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dear friend that I would go see, she, a nurse, she wouldn't get the vaccine. Hmm. And uh, so just a little leery of being around people that weren't doing what I thought that they needed to do, but trying not to preach to them. So that's how it was for me. Yeah, I was going to make this comment. I've I've heard this a bunch of folks our age, this role reversal that you mentioned, Cheryl, and folks our age really working and 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 nag almost nagging their parents about mask wearing and hand washing in the early days of the pandemic. It was like I remember in the at the beginning, and you all may have said this, they were saying like, oh millennials or or you know middle-aged folks are are just out there doing it and spreading it and and we felt like we were the ones being most safe um or most cautious during the pandemic anyway i don't know well i think what they were i think that millennials is just the term for anybody who's young these days and and it was like no y'all the millennials are the 30 and 40 year olds who have like three kids who are trying to survive in this pandemic right now so it's you know whatever anyways there's no judgment but it's whoever comes next yeah all right Kenya what's it been like for you like what was the big what were some of the big changes that you experienced um and did you feel like it was any different in the house or with your mom um well for me it was slightly different because I am used to being out in the community and doing being outside of the home a lot more than being inside of the home So when the pandemic hit almost immediately, I was thrust into a position where I was working at home. And so I had to come up with, you know, how was I going to acquire, you know, certain spaces? How was I going to navigate and manage noise constraints? Just a myriad of different things started to to just come up for me. And then too, how was I going to be able to keep active and keep busy? Because I was used to walking every day at at my job. I was used to being able to have some physical activity, not really having that and kind of being, you know, in an environment where I was at a, at a desk all day, you know what I mean? And not, and being more sedentary. So that was kind of hard for me. So really adapting to new routines and changes, but I was able to do it. My mom is truly my best friend. I know people say that in a cliche sense. Oh, I love my mother. Oh, she's my best friend. But um, I'm so fortunate to have a mother that I can talk to about anything and that um, is open and supportive with me. So really trying to navigate, making sure that she has her space, that I have my space. But that also, too, that we're able to communicate, you know, in an in an authentic way, if that makes sense to you. Um, Yeah. Can I ask a clarifying question? And this isn't something that I thought we would talk about, but what do you think makes y'all so open with each other? Like, what is the key to that kind of success? Because as you were saying that, I was like, I was looking at Cheryl and I was thinking, wow, that that's a really hard role to play with each other, somebody who can really listen to anything that you're sharing and in some way be willing to receive that information, especially when you care so much about each other. So what is the key to that? She'll have to answer for herself. um, But for (laughs) me, I think because she has experienced so much in her life and because of her spirituality and just being grounded and I'm more high strung and, uh, you know, always kind of going for the gusto and, and wanting everything yesterday. Um, we're polar opposites in that way. So I think it really lends to, she doesn't pretend to listen to me. Uh, to me, there's two types of listening. You pretend to listen or you're listening to learn. And I think even though she may not agree with everything I say or may not, you know, understand um, my philosophies on everything, I think she always listens to learn, which is super important. Mm -hmm. As she said, a lot of times, I'm not going to say a lot of times, sometimes I don't agree, but I try to keep my, I try to keep my ears open and uh, I try not to be judgmental. 
And why, why not? Like, what is that? Why? Why okay. is that so important to you? Well, because I, I think, I think if I become judgmental, she's not going to tell me anything, you know, it's going to be, um, she's going to be just mute on, on most, on most things. So, you know, I, I, I try not to, I try not to do that. And like, she's going to the Dominican Republic to, uh, uh, for a break soon in a week or so. And I watch this crazy show on television and I'm telling her, don't do this and don't do that. And, uh, she's, she's looking at me like I'm totally crazy and, and just out of it. Top three things that you said you're afraid of, of Kenya going to the Dominican Republic. Okay. Well, I watch a show called to catch a smuggler and I'm uh-huh. thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking that people do a lot of horrible things uh, when when you're out of the country. Uh, sometimes they might try to smuggle something into your suitcase. She said, "That's my insanity." Uh, um, well, well, we know about we we talked about the fear train, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, the fear and train is real. Yeah, and that that's it, and and that's a <clears throat> a statement that I got from you a long time ago the fear train. And uh, what I need to do is uh, get off of that and tell her to just have a wonderful time when she goes there. But I told her, don't bring me anything back because people are smuggling all the time. (laughs) I'm going to have to interject and tell you one quick story. I know we have a short period of time. No, go for it. But one reason I think that she is so like tunnel visioned on this is because when we went to Barbados um, a few years back, everybody else was able to load and get on the plane except for her. They did a full (laughs) search of her and I was like getting ready to get off the plane because I was like, where's my mom? And then all of a sudden when the plane's getting ready to take off, here she comes up the stairs exhausted from where they had like checked yeah. her interrogated her i guess they thought she was a, a smuggler smug to catch a smuggler so well, and you know the thing about it is i got really really pissed that's the only word i can say because i played the lottery you say whatever word you want i, I played the lottery frequently <laughs> and uh out of 300 people they're gonna they're gonna stop me and i can't even win a win lottery, lottery. <laughs> <laughs> i i think i think that might have something to do with it, but I do want her to have a, a good time when she goes in, and, and I'm happy that uh, she'll be with friends, and uh, it'll be a good opportunity to go for. So, you know, in in that respect, I think that's how we that's how we get along. And and when she gets tired and doesn't want to talk, or I don't want it, we just shut the doors. You mm-hmm. know, we shut the doors and regroup. And I think that's what what a lot of families and people do. You know, I, at least I hope they do. And then you come out and uh, you start talking again. Thank you, Neo. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Did you know that the Reading Aloud podcast has a Patreon account? That's right. When you support this podcast through Patreon, you become a part of our Reading Aloud family. And we love our family members. At its core, this podcast is about providing insight and conversations that will support and inspire our listeners to deepen their relationships and build community through conversation. Every week, we receive meaningful feedback on how the Reading Aloud podcast has supported someone through a challenging time, and now we need your support to keep that going. Your Patreon commitment not only provides you with curated, fun, and interactive bonus content, it helps us cover the many costs of producing a podcast. Check out our Patreon link in the show notes and see which level you can commit to. And know that we thank you so much for both your listening support as well as your financial support. Now let's get back to today's conversation. I personally struggle with that so much. When there is conflict in our house and family it's it's really hard for me to give the conflict space I because I'm like we can work through this like you know kind of addressing the problem head on I don't it's hard for me to leave something and let something settle but I'm working on it so I have a lot of respect for you all to be able to shut the door and not talk for a while and then not saying that during conflict it's just 
um, whenever you need whenever space. you need space. Yeah, uh, it's that's hard for me. I think I it it makes me feel vulnerable. It makes me feel I think afraid, and giving space sometimes makes me feel afraid of things will untruths will become truths without me addressing them. That's what yeah. I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. You want to cl- clear the air and clarify. Yeah, I want to clear the air and clarify. I have this like deep desire to clarify and to be aligned, but that's not always the case. I'm not saying this like it's a good thing. No, no. Um, it's yeah. just, it's we, difficult for we me. We hear that. But I, th- but I mean, this is interesting, you know, because everybody's got their own style, but it sounds like one of the keys to y'all's relationship is to be able to give each other space when needed. I mean, you live in a house together and that's a big commitment. I mean, even living in a house with Adam and our baby Neo, it's like, that's a big commitment. It it takes a lot of energy to navigate other bodies and other needs all day, every day. And then you layer on the pandemic where it becomes really, I mean, you're right. You, all of us, we used to get out more period. End of story. The whole world used to get out more. It's funny because when I was in Wilmington and I lived there for almost 17 years and, you know, I sold my home to be, you know, to be closer to my mom and to move here because even though we were really close, um, I didn't get to see her very often. Um, And I was fortunate that I had a lot of vacation and I was able to take some extended periods, but it it didn't take the place of me being close to her, me being able to spend time with her, share experiences with her and things like that. Um, And it was lonely. I had so many people around me and so many friends and things like that, but not having my mother close, it was a lonely experience. And so I made some choices. And at one point, you know, my mom was having some health issues and, and that really made me think of not only my mortality, but, but hers as well. I mean, and she's a hundred percent now and she's doing it up and everything. And thank goodness, because I have so many friends and family members and close people that have uh, parents that are having challenges right now. And, and I'm thankful. So I think this is a time of, for us to really um, come together and spend some, what I call QT time. Well, and I think another thing that comes into play too, is the fact that I am 73 years old and I grew up in a, in a situation in a neighborhood that was families. We were all close. My grandmother lived down the street. My uncle lived next door. My other uncle lived across the street and uh, the African-American or Black family households, you kind of took care of each other. You know, it, wouldn't, it wasn't anything for my mother not to have my Uncle Herman there or my Uncle Reggie there when he was going through a divorce. And uh, this is something that we did. And this is something that is not happening right now. It's it's more focused on, you know, not generational families, you know, living together. It's, you know, more of a nuclear family situation. But I think they're going back to kind of generational things now where, where they're making space for the, the grandmother and the aunts and, and doing more so you all are living together and taking care of each other. That's so interesting. I want to hear more about what you're seeing. It's also really interesting because the last interview we recorded, we talked about this too, not not directly, but kind of indirectly. We were talking about the difference between what they, you know, what's called rugged individualism. So just like that need to be on one's own to like really just like think we always have to prop ourselves up as opposed to live living in community and living with others and taking care of our people. And so what do you what are you seeing that that's making you think that we're headed back towards more generational connection that way? Well, believe it or not, I watch a lot of HGTV too. That's all right. That's good. <laughs> and uh, I see I see a lot of families that are buying homes and they're buying homes with their mothers and their fathers thinking about them being in the home. So I'm seeing it that way, you know. I don't know if I see that a lot in in the Asheville area. Of course, I'm I'm not out there a lot and I I don't really have a lot of friends here, but uh, I see that with my family. 
with my cousin Patrick, who takes care of his dad and his home. I see that within my family. I, I don't see it here, but this is the way I was brought up. We, we took care of each other. Yeah. Well, and I, I also think, too, that it's happening more because of the pandemic and people are having economic That's concerns. True. They're having many in within many families. There, there are a lot of other psychosocial challenges that folks are having, you know, mental mental health concerns and things like that, where you need those additional supports. So I, I think that's super important, especially during COVID when there is so much isolation, which obviously leads to depression, you know, feelings of hopelessness, things like that. So I think it's super important that, you know, you have that connection, but a lot of it has to do with the socioeconomic concerns that people are having now, I think. And yeah. that, that could be one of the positives of COVID that if there are any positives of COVID that families are looking out for each other a little bit more you know that that's that's a definite I think positive yeah one of the things that has been a consistent thread through these interviews in the pandemic partnership that we're doing is the importance of having authentic and real community around you and I think that you know people would have probably answered that question correctly pre-covid but I think covid really exposed the fragileness of a lot of different communities out there. And it's encouraging and and frankly inspiring to see you all connected on that familial level, being in family and really advocating for that out in the world and, and working to working to just spread that and 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 all that you do to help people because I think you're right. Like I, I was just sitting back here thinking about what you were sharing, Cheryl, and you know, I think people have really gotten away from this sense of, you know, taking care of our family or even taking care of each other. And we really, ex- you know, COVID exposed how, in my opinion, that that is not the right way to go about things, that we have to take care of each other. And when we do, we flourish and, and we're better off and we're more resilient. And so I just appreciate those reflections. I appreciate the example that you all set by just by living together and by supporting each other in the ways that you do. So. It's really great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So where you all got closer, I'm imagining that in some other areas of your life, things became further away. So we talked about doing less in person. I don't know if you want to share what any of that is, Kenya, or being able to volunteer, Cheryl, and just be active in your various communities. But I'm actually even more interested in like, um, you know, what, what other kind of revelations did you have about relationships in your life? I mean, you know, I also want to ask about dating, just to throw that, just to throw that in the mix. I I haven't dated anybody in years. So, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. so that's kind of out for me. You you might, you might want to, talk to her about that I, I haven't found my Prince Charming yet I'm I'm 73 years old I'm still looking if he's out there uh-huh. oh uh, we, well, PSA, yeah, PSA. Yeah. we got we got a big listening audience so well, wait a minute <laughs> okay okay we're gonna have to put that one in as we say in school in park uh-huh. <laughs> or, uh, I, I, don't, so- I, I don't think so if, if I find a main squeeze she's just gonna have to deal with it <laughs> So this this is the door. Yeah. Well, this is interesting because I know that, uh, and you know, you can tell me to edit this out, can you, but you know, I know you had relationships before you moved to Asheville that were significant. And when you talked about being lonely, that was interesting. Cause I also knew that there were some relationships that you had. And so, but, but it, it sounds like not, they weren't as obviously they weren't as important as the one with your mom and, you know, they're not around anymore. And so it's like, they just didn't have the depth that you needed, that there's something that you get in relationship to family that's deeper and more meaningful. And Well, I mean, I'll answer a little bit. I mean, I, yes, I, I do actively date. I think during the pandemic though, I think there was definitely a fear um, of the dating. I think just, you know, kind of not knowing, you know, what another person's dynamics are, or do they just put the mask on around you? What about their friends? What about their family? What about when they travel? Those types of things. And because I was so concerned 
also with my mom at the beginning because we didn't know what we didn't know i was kind you of, reading a book cheryl hold on you reading a no book no i'm trying no i'm not reading a book you had sent me uh you know some uh questions and i was kind of looking over there to see you printed uh, them out uh no i wrote them out and uh-huh. I, I was trying to see if i was touching on uh, if, if I needed to interject, you're doing a great job. You're doing great. <laughs> um, so anyway, as I was saying, um, I, I think that for me, because I have so much going on right now, that's not really at the forefront for me, you know, relationships are important. I, you know, I'm certainly not against that. Um, I'm certainly not against, um, dating, but right now with me trying to forge my career and I'm involved in a lot of things, I think my focus is, is there. And then when I have time, I do want to spend time with those that I love and friends and family and people that kind of re-energize me, um, that are supportive. And I think that's, that's what fuels me really mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for relationships with me, though, during the pandemic, Excuse me. I found that the relationships that I had were pretty much intact. But as a result of the pandemic, I I almost started not trusting people. I just I, I just didn't didn't really trust people. I didn't visit folks. Uh, like, are you talking about strangers or people you knew? And were you trustworthy before? You felt yeah, like you I were was. Yeah, yeah, I was trustworthy before. I would like sometimes go visit people in their homes, go out to lunch uh, and things like that. And I didn't know what they were doing to take care of themselves. And it just became so political. I mean, wear masks, don't wear masks. You know, the fighting that went on as a result of that, it was like an inner feeling of of kind of not not really trusting people and just trying to stay away from them really well and everybody had a a, you know a a slightly different definition of what safety looked like and you know I mean and it it was sometimes to do with where they worked you know like we stayed at home so you know we knew where we were every day and you know other people had to take different kinds of risks for a lot of people the pandemic really hit that fight flight button inside of us and it was all of a sudden it was like we're in survival mode and we're going to do whatever we can to take care of ourselves, which like you said, brought families closer because, you know, at the end of the day, the only people we saw for, uh, for many months were our parents and were family. And it was like, those were the people we were willing to take the risk to see. And those are the ones that we were like, okay, we really need to be with these people. Like we, this is really highlighted, uh, how much we cared for our immediate family. And then outside of that got, it was a little dicey, especially because, you know, you have had some health issues in the past. And so you had to be extra careful. Well, you know, another thing that really affected me because I would go to I go to church every Sunday, and uh, uh, there was a lot of, com- well, a lot of dissension even within the church, uh, and I, I enjoyed going to Mass on Sunday, but at our little parish, they said that you didn't have to wear a mask, you had to social distance, and I lost that relationship with the church as a result of the pandemic, and it's only recently, I'd say within the past uh month that I have started going back to church. That you know. same one? Yeah, the same one. I am. I'm I'm gonna give them another chance. And you know, I yeah, do they teach my... about forgiveness in church sometimes. I know. I know. And I'm I'm trying to forgive them. You know, I did lose that relationship. Mm-hmm. And it was uh I'm a spiritual person, but it was uh a relationship with, you know, going to church and talking to people and Seeing the some community of the people. aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, really that that I'd, I'd been to that parish since 1995. And it was like the pandemic uh, destroyed it. But I'm, as you said, I'm trying to forgive and our parish didn't require masks. But if you would go downtown to the Basilica, they would require masks. So there was so much inconsistency there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that that was something in the community that that I really lost and I missed and I'm 
I'm trying to uh, regroup and go back again. That's so hard. I mean, I can't even imagine losing something so meaningful and not just meaningful, but the consistency of that, that you would go weekly, um, like that you're brought together in relationship for a common purpose, which is the, your faith and your spiritual understanding. And you recognize that many different individuals go to church and go to your church. And so then you start to say, well, what, you know, then you're brought to the surface, like something else that, that matters, which the pandemic mattered to people. And so that, but people had different opinions about it. And so all of a sudden it wasn't about strictly about faith and those shared values anymore. And that's really sad. I'm really sorry that that happened. It seemed to be more, you know, more and more political, yeah, which, uh, yeah, but uh, I think I'm on, I'm on the men right now, going back to church. As a matter of fact, my friend told me the other day, she said, I saw you at mass on Sunday. I said, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. That made me feel good. <laughs> what about you, Kenya? For me, it was a little bit different because over the course of the pandemic, um, I've lost some some aunts and uncles I lost during the pandemic. I lost my aunt Lulu, my aunt Toddy, my uncle Bo, my uncle Sydney. Wow. And um, they, they weren't necessarily COVID related, you know, could have been not sure um, in some of the cases, but there was a lot of loss for me during that time. Um, so I would say that I was a little bit more isolated. One good thing was, is that I was able to connect through technology with those that I loved. So, you know, you could do the Zoom calls. I did a lot more phone calls than I ever did because I'm not really a phone person and I absolutely abhor texting. Um, texting to me is the most insincere form of communication in my How then do you communicate if you don't really do phone calls? I've started to do more uh-huh. during the pandemic. I started to do, um, you know, more phone calls, definitely did a lot of Zoom calls and really tried to, but to take away that text piece, um, which was you know, which has always been like a, an area of contention for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it, it allowed me some connectivity, but also too, you know, it taught me that nothing is guaranteed, mm-hmm. you know, nothing in life is ever guaranteed that, I mean, I think you talked about lessons that were learned that I've learned. And mm-hmm. that was like the main takeaway from me losing family members and then really trying to keep things simple, you know, yeah just trying not to reinvent the wheel. And so I could have stay at my own level of equilibrium, you know, and feel safe in my environment, just not trying to add a lot of additional stressors, which is super hard for me because I'm, I do do a lot of things. I have a lot of competing priorities. You know, it became really clear that what was our actual priority Mm -hmm. and also dealing with the pandemic, like just the, the amount of mental energy that had to go into your daily life in a way that hadn't before that took up a significant amount of space. So we couldn't just have as many things going on because we also had this background emotional and all of that loss. I mean, yeah, I don't think I realized exactly how much loss you had, but that, I mean, there's a lot of of grief in that. Yeah. There, there is, and I still deal with it because, of course, during the pandemic, um, I wasn't allowed to go to any of the services and things like that and travel in the beginning because a lot of a few of these happened um, early. These yeah. things happened early on and not really knowing. Um, so I, I still kind of hold on to that. Um, but then I also think about the capacity of resilience that we have here, like dealing with stressful situations and things like that, you know, learning how to adapt to different routines and things. Um, There's a lot of resilience, having patience, showing people grace, you know, and really uh, something that my mom taught me as um, when I well, she's talked about it forever, even before I ever was um, a clinical social worker, but really just starting where the person is. And I think that you have to do that with your family too. You, you start where they are. You build that way. That's how yeah. it goes. 
pandemic for me also created some depression. You know, you all came to see me and I was I was not the greatest uh, was not the greatest visit for you all when you came. No, it was the greatest visit. It was a great visit. But I was I was glad that you you made the effort, you know, to come. But it uh, it has created, you know, some depression for me uh, because I'm not able to to do. I was going to painting classes and uh, I would go to the Y and go see my friend. And it it just kind of stopped me from doing things. I wanted to do miss going to Harris. Didn't go to Harris, the gambling casino, for almost uh, two years. I mean, how did you how did we you survive? A, sounds like we got to plan a trip. Have you ever <laughs> been to Harris with Cheryl? I've never been to Harris. Period. So I I can't wait. But let me tell you, I did go. Uh, Kenya paid for me to go to Las Vegas in uh, December of this year of the past year it was my friend's uh Wait, I, didn't, birthday. I didn't know about this yeah did we, you wear I, masks we did some of the uh-huh. time most of the some of the time we wore a mask but i was too busy drinking scotch and gambling <laughs> to worry about the mask <laughs> That's amazing that so that what a relief, though, to get to like, go, like, finally, finally, just to have some freedom. Did you did you went together? Oh, no, no, no. I uh, Kenya paid for paid for my total trip. Put your ass on a plane. And uh, she she paid for the hotel because it was Stott's birthday. We had we had a great time. We didn't sleep. We gambled. We we went everywhere. We tried to go to every casino in Las Vegas. That's what yeah. we tried to do. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was fun. <laughs> healed, your, healed your depression right up. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was a rodeo weekend. So there were a lot of cowboys there. All right. Okay. So back to the dating scene. No, I'm I'm not dating anybody. <laughs> no. yeah, no. I was uh-uh. I was just gonna go back and and um, touch on a point I think you made, Kenya. That I just want to reiterate and think it's super important of you know meeting people where they're at and starting there in the pandemic. And it sounds like that's a lesson that that both of you all live by. And I th- I think that's important as we begin. Hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, all the things to, you know, normalize and kind of come out of the pandemic and recognizing that even if we had disconnection with folks, finding out where they're at and and, and building a relationship from there. I, I think one of my hopes, and maybe you speak to this, is that maybe there were different views around this and, and maybe that separated some relationships, which we've talked about on some other podcasts, but uh, I, I just hope that people, you know, use this also this reconnecting and rejoining of society as an opportunity for reconnection. And I think meeting people where they're at is a, is a key component to that. Thank you, Neo. Yeah. Hey, hey, we hope you're enjoying this episode of the Reading Aloud podcast. If you're interested in learning more or inquiring about working directly with Marisol's fashion therapy or Adam's modern man training, you can totally do that. You can find Marisol at soulreflection.com. That's S-O-L reflection.com or follow her on social media at Soul Reflection. You can email Adam directly at adam at modern-man.org. We hope to hear from you. Now let's get back to today's conversation. Yeah, it definitely does. It, it allows me to, to really open my eyes and be more empathetic to what's going on with others and their, you know, their personal situations. You know, Maya Angelou, and I'm, I'm kind of loosely abbreviating this, she said, you may know my glory, but you don't know my story. And everybody has a story and everybody has a narrative. In order for someone to trust you and to want to open up to you, you've got to start where that person is. You've you've got to, like my mom said, you've got to have no judgment. You've got to have an open mind. You've got to listen to learn. You've got to be able to, to put yourself in that place and say, you know, that could be me or, you know, maybe I didn't know what was happening with them. Maybe I didn't realize that they were 
going through some type of trauma or lost someone or whatever. And that could have informed the behavior that they had with you, you know? And so I just think it's really important for me to, to take more time when I'm communicating with others and, and really try to listen and really try to understand where they're coming from. And just from my perspective, you all do do that. And I was just, as I was listening to you, I was thinking, gosh, like the words like, wow, that this is such great wisdom. Like this is such deep insight. And then I was, I was going to, you know, kind of jokingly be like, y'all are saints, but it's, it's kind of true. Like you really, you really do live by those principles. And especially at a time like now, it's just, it's not easy. It's not easy to not judge and volume is turned up. Intensity is high. People are really suffering, which means that again, they're in their, they're in their primitive brain where the fight flight freeze response is on board and is the driver. And, um, it's really hard to have compassion when you're afraid. And I was going to say like, what's what, let's go around the circle and share our favorite Cheryl quote, because these are quotes that we've lived. <laughs> these are quotes that we've I lived. That's by. a great way to wrap up. Yeah. These are quotes that we've lived by. Well, the very first one, if you were ever a student of mine, it's what Kenya just say, you start where the client is. That's what you always do. And another thing that I tell her constantly when it comes to uh, not only death and dying, but, you know, you have to, uh, what is that I tell you? You follow through. What is that I tell you? Come on, help me I here. Don't, I don't remember. Oh, Lord have mercy. Oh, Lordy. I can't remember what I tell her. But any moving forward, no matter what happens, that's it. I tell her this all the time, no matter what happens. You have to have the ability to move forward. And sometimes it's going to be very, very difficult and it's going to take time. But you, in order to survive in this society, you've got to have the ability to move forward because she never wants to talk about death and dying. I'm not going to be here forever. And I want her to realize that, and everybody, you've got to have that ability to move forward and not stay stuck. You're going to be stuck for a little while. I mean, I feel like Adam is is looking at me through the camera. You are. I I wasn't. I'm watching St. Cheryl over there speak. (laughs) What is it? What is it? Kenya, what's your favorite Cheryl quote that we're going to go? Thank you for sharing. We're going to go around the room. Well, mine is more lighthearted um, when she always says, say la vie. She says yeah. it all the time. She's, you know, whenever something's going on or whenever she's kind of like, say la vie. Never being on a podcast and also never, ever listening to one. I think you're made for this, Cheryl. <laughs> you need to give her her own segment. That's right. I know she does. She needs, corner. she needs a weekly segment. Well, and also I just really, I, I mean, I, I don't know why that some of the things that you've shared in, in my life have like, I mean, they've become mantras for me. Like I want to repeat that one about moving forward, no matter what happens, you have to move forward because that's really important. It is really easy to get stuck and to kind of ruminate in what's going on and keep bringing it back to like the problem. But some of the things that you've shared have just stuck with us. So what's yours? You're going to steal mine. Well, maybe I will. (laughs) I've got one and I share this all the time with folks. It comes up often is study long, study wrong. (laughs) Yeah, that's what, that's what of mine. Yeah. Oh yeah. You study (laughs) long, you study wrong. My brother said, ain't nothing to it, but to do it. That's right. All right. I mean, I, I, I probably need to call you about my most recent, uh, dilemma of decision making because I, I I feel I mean I'm like do we have 10 minutes but we don't have an extra <laughs> I might give you a call tomorrow um I'll be here okay so I don't remember exactly what the what you said and I don't know do you do you remember Christmas, the Christmas that y'all spent at my house on Temple Avenue in North Asheville. Do you remember? And we did dance, dance revolution. And, and like you came over, it was like kind of later in the day. It was like after Christmas, but it was Christmas day. And you came over to mine and Morgan's house. Do you remember that? I remember. And I remember Prince sat on my feet. Yeah. 
Aww. yeah yeah he, he's still alive he's still that's good with, yeah yeah you I think Morgan walked you to your car and you said something you were like God loves all the lepers and and do you do you have you ever said that before uh loves you know I might no telling no telling <laughs> but God God loves everybody that's you right. know that's yeah. Right. yeah yeah he uh he loves everybody and uh, doesn't matter what you are, you know, who you are, you mm-hmm. know, uh, gay, lesbian, black, white, Jew, Asian. That's he right. loves you. And we yeah. got to remember that. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, last la- final question and quick answer from both of you. What is the weirdest or funniest COVID habit you've picked up in the last couple of years? I'll go first. Okay. Stocking up on stuff that I don't need. Uh, (laughs) Toilet paper, paper towels, cleaning supplies. I feel like I'm going to run out. So, you know, I, I have a tendency to buy more of that stuff than I really need. That's well, that, that's where it all went. Cause we were looking for some Windex the other day. <laughs> Couldn't find any. Yeah. What about you, Kenya? Um, mine is I have been binge watching Netflix like crazy. Well, um, tell us some of the good ones you might want to watch. I have um, four that I thought of. Um, Worst roommate ever is phenomenal. Um, the Kanye West trilogy it gives you a lot of insight into him. Mm-hmm. Vikings Valhalla is phenomenal. And then lastly, I'm watching right now pieces of her. Mm. And she watches all the Walking Dead. Ooh. All- I love all the walking deads too. Fear the walking dead. Did you, have you watched Inventing Anna? No, but that's on my list. Yeah. I, I, Adam was out of town last week and I was solo for five days and I picked it up and, and watched it in the evenings and it's really good. I haven't finished it, but watch worse roommate. If nothing else on my list, you've got to see that it's insane. Um, yeah. Who, who's, who is in that? It's, well, it's people, not right? anybody who's necessarily in it, yeah. but it just talks about roommate situations that were really untenable and how people got out of them and what it revealed with these roommates. And it's it's just you need to watch it together and have some popcorn. Okay. Yeah, I don't awesome. I don't like I don't like those kind of shows because they're too real. You yeah. know, because you just like the news, which isn't real at all. And no, I don't I don't even watch the news anymore. That's what no, I, I don't. I watch uh my show is Antique Roadshow, HGTV, to catch a smuggler. And, and Judge Judy. And Judge Judy. <laughs> that bitch knows what's up. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> she really does. All right. Okay. Well, we love you all so, so much. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I just, I hope everybody had their pen and paper out and, and wrote down some of those great sayings because they truly are things to live by. So thank you all. We love oh, you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, y'all. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.